Welcome to Thinking Reimagined. Thinking Reimagined is a unique platform for thoughts provoking intergenerational dialogue in a diverse and inclusive setting with a focus on impactful change in the global workplace and community. Our stakeholders' conversations aim to spark thought, leadership, curiosity, engagement, collaboration, and learning amongst individuals, teams, and beyond. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode. episode and subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other outlets. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Thinking Reimagined. We welcome our guests today, virtual, and actually everyone is virtual, let's be honest, right? But particularly to our guests on LinkedIn, um, Facebook, as well as YouTube. Today, we're going to be speaking about sustainable innovation from ideas to impact. And whilst much of this discussion might focus on the African continent, we also understand that this is a topic that can be carried along on all parts of the globe. So a particular welcome to all our guests today. And Nifemi, here we are, another week, another exciting conversation ahead of us. How are you? I'm doing very well, Dr. Amma. We're back talking business. Thank you, everyone, yes. for joining us. Let me begin by introducing our panelists to you. Kimberly Peterside is CEO of two companies, Crimson Blue Company and Logistics Limited, a coffee aggregate, uh, aggregator and trader, an export um, logistics company that assists um, small enterprises with market product intelligence, compliance entry, and distribution. There's also Posh Perceptions, which is a travel, tourism, and hospitality platform that gives you posh destinations with jaw-dropping patterns. I like that. We should do business soon. She's an aviator with over 15 years experience in cabling, cockpit, operations, finance, quality assurance, safety, and logistics departments. Kimbali, thank you for joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. Prince Kyle Gruntayo is an agripreneur who specializes in the fruits and vegetables value chain. Along with that, he also focuses on the adoption of sustainable and smart agriculture, especially those that can easily be adapted to the local environment. His company, Great and Paris Farm Limited, specializes in hydroponics technology and vertical farming solutions. Prince, it's good to see you again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Dr. Ama, entrepreneur, educationist, behavioral consultant, and resilience coach. She's the immediate past chairperson of the British Business Group in Nigeria and currently chairperson Africa Sustainable Trade, which she co-founds. So what do we begin from? Um, you forgot start. somebody, Nifemi. You forgot our co-producer. Well, our co-producer, Peter Amanboyo. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens. Welcome, everyone, to Think and Imagine. And if you're joining us live stream on YouTube or LinkedIn or Facebook, we welcome your comments and questions. And this is an interactive podcast. So 
send us your comments and we'll be happy to share. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. you know, so, I have to start by saying something because you're probably wondering why do we have this panel? Um, I met Kimberly on via LinkedIn and uh, I was fascinated through our conversations when she talked about um, coffee. She's very passionate about coffee. And the more she talked about it, I realized that she had a concept, an idea, you know, where coffee could be, um, call it a trade export for Nigeria. And of course, it could have some impact. So I thought this would be a great place for us to have Kimberly share her ideas and um, how we can get this going. And then um, Prince Kayode. Uh, what can I say? Fruits, vegetables, uh, uh, agrophonics, uh, vertical farming. These are some of the innovative ideas that need to come onto the um, African continent. Um, whilst we're all here in Nigeria, um, this is the place. You know, when you think about the numbers coming out of the the, the statistics about Niger Africa as a whole. Um, recognizing the population of this continent, which is what 1.4 billion. 1.4 billion and expected to go to 2.5 billion by 2050 and yet only one percent of investment actually comes into this continent the rest of it is aid so it's becoming really critical for africans everyone on the african continent um, to recognize that it's important to build wealth creation on this continent to have an inclusive economic participation is really critical. So I think that um, the ideas that we're going to share today are just one of many, you know, um, Africa's sustainable trade is really into the intra intercontinental trade, uh, investment and development, absolutely critical for this continent. So wonderful to have you join us today and to share some of your ideas and to move us forward. So thank you again for joining us. So where do we start? Um, Kimberly, would you like to just share very briefly what, what Coffee is about and why you see this as an important um, sustainable innovation that can be cultivated and have an impact on the continent or in Nigeria to start with, since that's where you are locally. Um, thank you, um, Dr. Anna. Um, like the first time we spoke and um, all you could hear from my mouth was coffee, coffee, coffee. Um, it came to me as a question. I'm very um, curious, I'm the inquisitive type. And I've always wondered, I've always liked coffee. Um, and I wondered why in Nigeria, we didn't have coffee as a commodity like every other continent. I've, um, we, I don't know if we know that um, coffee naturally is the second most traded commodity in the world. And a lot of nations, a lot of, of countries use that as you know, their own oil, let me put it that way. Ethiopia has been building their life on it. Um, Kenya, that, I'm just speaking within Africa, not just not even outside Africa. And they're using, they're sustaining their own economy with just if we just take the statistics of their sales, you know, from coffee alone, they're able to, you know, sustain their economy to a level. So why are we still, you know, banking on the oils in Nigeria when we can actually grow and 
trade coffee. That was where my curiosity start, uh, started from. And I wondered like every other person, because if you talk about coffee, everybody goes, nah, it's, um, it gives you hypertension, there's some illness going to it. And I was wondering, um, Coke isn't good for you, but you drink it. Um, tea, everybody drinks tea. Well, I don't drink tea, but tea has a bit of caffeine in it. So why are we complaining about um, coffee? And then I also, in my scientific study, my research, I found out that coffee isn't as concentrated as we all think it is because we have different types of coffee. And instead of setting for the one with the less concentrate, we're all looking at the one with the more concentrate. The one with the less concentrate, which is the Arabica, has the same content kind of with tea, caffeine content. So that's a lot of questions around me. Why don't we have it in um, on our trade, on our stock exchange? Why don't we, why aren't we trading? Why aren't people drinking it? Why are we giving autonomy to Nescafe? How come Nescafe has the home market, right? Why are we still bringing in other coffee when we can when we have enough to send out and the processing i had to go through the whole chain i found that processing is a problem it's just the same way we do with um, um uh, petroleum products we have to take coffee outside nigeria to process it and bring it back so within the supply chain there's so much gap that could be filled by a lot of people so why aren't we doing it why are we facing things that everybody's going into that particular um, crop or whatever commodity that is. Why are we leaving coffee alone? Yes, we go into cocoa, we go into cashew, we see them as cash cow, but the main cash cow after gold is coffee. So why is Nigeria not investing in that? My question. So maybe today we might still have people bring their own um, ideas, but I'm looking for people to work with me. I've gone to a particular level, which Dr. Ama knows, um, even towards the stock exchange. I mean, we need to put it on. I mean, that is money going. That is money for our country, not just ourselves. You know, put Nigeria back on the map as a, 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 a commodity producing country that we can use it to sustain Nigeria to a level. I don't know if you believe me to that level, but trust me, with the kind of data and analysis that I've gone through, I've gotten together, we can pull this through with the right team. I think I'll stop here for now. Well, you know, Kimberly, you're bringing up a very important point and that is the shift from oil. You know, oil has been the main export. And what you're saying today is here is a product Here's, a, here's something that can be as viable, if not even more viable, because although it may not be a, a cash crop for this country, it is everywhere else. People are looking for coffee. People consume coffee globally. And um, Ethiopia, Kenya, you know, coffee is, is their main export. And um, they, they really built a, a, an incredible supply chain in those areas. But you brought up a very important question. Um, last week, we were talking about creatives. I think it was about creatives that we brought up. You know, there's so many um, sectors that are very viable. Um, and it's time that we look beyond um, oil into other sectors. Really curious. Um, how do they join us in this conversation? Because I know for you, it's about fruits and vegetables and people need to feed themselves. Food security is a major issue on the continent. 
No, absolutely. In the sense of, um, um, we all know that there's, uh, there are climate issues. Uh, we all know uh, population growth. I mean, our population is growing faster than our GDP in Nigeria. So at some point in time, there's going to be a crisis in terms of um, with regards to f uh, food and, um, and the mismatch with our population. And the conventional way of, of growing, um, we've, we, we haven't even exploited uh, to the, the capacity of, of, of where we should be. And in my own journey in the, in the agricultural space, it was the fact that, you know, I've just decided that, look, there must be a smarter way of doing things, you know. Um, and if you are able to uh, adopt technology and innovation in the agricultural space, you know, you can, you can make an, a direct impact and you can make, you know. And so one area which I discovered was in terms of um, is in the cultivation method method um especially using soilless and especially using what is called vertical farming uh vertical farming has so much uh so much advantages um in, especially when it's used in a controlled environment um like in anything in life if you control your inputs you have a more likely to have, to be able to control your outputs and that's basically what um hydroponics and vertical farming does it's like it's this new concept of controlled environment agriculture um and so therefore you are able to grow better taste better better quality and and it's taking it it's just taking the basic principle of of growing in greenhouses but on on a, on a vertical scale and so therefore your yield is i mean it's uh, 10 times what you would have probably uh, yield from the conventional method. And so when you know, to ask the question, how do you um, have an impact from a, you know, from a sustainable and using innovation? I believe that um, uh, the tech, vertical farming and hydroponics technology is going to have a direct impact on how we, we, we cultivate in the future to be able to meet um the demands are not only of nigeria but also of the continent in terms of vis-a-vis -vis population and so it's how we adapt that it's how we bring that into fruition it's how we um, embrace it is is what i'm looking forward to and what i'm striving to achieve you know with um with my association with the association of Vert for vertical farming and some of the uh, pilots or some of the projects that we are trying to embark on in in, in nigeria you know, there's a way it sounds when I hear you talk about hydroponics and vertical farming prints, uh, especially when you talk about 10 times yield. I'm just concerned. Why Why do you think it's not yet the mainstay of our agricultural practice in Nigeria? If it's that lucrative, uh, if it gives more yield and all of that, what do you think we are still sleeping on it? Like I used to Balance. Yeah, it, it's it's it, it boils down to capital. It, it's it's a front end uh, capex. It's front end loaded in terms of um, um, the infrastructure that you have to put in place. I obviously it has to be in a controlled environment, so it has to be um, a, a greenhouse or a screenhouse or a repurposed building. So so in terms of you know it's not just open field uh, cultivation. And in terms of um, for the primary, uh, it's a, in terms of uh, the irrigation system because it's soilless. The irrigation system 
requires uh, it's a circular system, so it requires continuous power. So in terms of um, a, so therefore it has the the, the input of, of power requirements, and so therefore um, it's at a stage where um, the, the the capex is is at, at is a bit of a de deterrent at the moment, and then also the proof of concept hasn't been adopted yet in terms of. Um, until you until it's proven on the continent, it's proven everywhere else in, in North America, in Europe, it's proven um, even in Asia where it's where it, where it's been used. So it's not only in the advanced economies, it's also been used in developing con uh, economies as well. Uh, but it's that inertia or it's that, you know, to, to get it started in Nigeria. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are there are hydroponics um, facilities or, or farmers, you know, pre-existing in Nigeria, in 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 in, the, in Lagos. I mean, there are some in, in Lekki, there's in Abeokuta, and I'm sure that there are, there are those in Abuja as well. So it's not as if the technology hasn't is not here yet, but it's it's not been proven on a commercial um, basis, or it's not it's not it's not widespread yet. And the inhibiting factor is capital. It, you know, there is a it, it is front-end loaded capex, but but going forward, the opex it's extremely. I mean, it's a, it has an extremely low uh, opex, especially if you use sustainable energy in terms of if you if you adopt solar for your energy for your energy solution, um, uh, and, and that in itself can take care of that power requirement. And and in terms of uh, we have. Uh, been in Africa, uh, you know, the sun the sun goes down. You know, um, you know, we you know throughout the year we have a longer you know of of, of the sun rays. So in terms of it, it, it naturally adapts uh, using greenhouses or greenhouses so that the, you know the cultivation should be embraced in Africa. And so to to, to answer your question is the capex really that's in that's holding it back at the moment but mm. it, it, at some point in time we have no choice because uh things like leafy greens uh, uh, uh certain types of uh peppers and tomatoes um that are, that are important is because they're grown in the, that environment in holland uh, so why not establish the same in 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 country and then you become an import substitute, or at least you are. In fact, in fact you, importation becomes irrelevant in, in it, and therefore we are able to meet our own, you know, needs in terms of in quality and consistency throughout the year. And that's what uh, controlled environment agriculture uh, enables you to do. It enables you continuous um, uh, cultivation throughout the year. I mean, there isn't there isn't any a season anymore in, because in terms of you're able to ad adopt. And you are able to to cultivate throughout the year, and um, and then it also offers opportunities for you know um, of that social impact. Um, the majority of um, uh, um, um, subsistence of, of farmers are, are, are women, in terms of you know um, uh, they 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 make the bulk of those who are who actually farm. And if you are if you're unable to empower them with the new technology, especially low tech vertical farming, mm. it it empowers them further, um, it, and and it enables them to be able to actually produce better quality, and to be able to reach new new markets. 
So therefore, it and and we and it it, it addresses gender um, inequality. Then it also it, it's just our empowerment, and you know we know the multiplier effect of if you if you empower women in terms of within the family ecosystem, they you know the the whole family or the whole uh, the the community improves, and so there's there there and uh, there are benefits that come with this type of cultivation because it's less labor intensive in terms of you know. Um, the, the 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 grain um you know it doesn't re it, because it's soilless it doesn't require um tilling and plowing and 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 what what goes on with the traditional uh cultivation method and then it also has an impact uh climate impact because the carbon footprints are, are, are extremely reduced because um there's no tilling of the soil and every time you till the soil you know carbon gets uh, re released so in terms of by going soilless as well, it, it has that direct impact on, on the carbon footprint. You know, hearing you speak, you wonder why we still spend so much money buying tractors and buying fertilizers and powering, you know, subsist, substitute. Yeah. Subs no, don't get me it. wrong. Don't get me wrong. Not everything, <laughs> not everything can, can, can be, can be, uh, can be cultivated using um, uh, soilless mm -hmm. uh, hydroponics or aquaponics or, or vertical. I mean, there, there are root crops, your tubers still can't be you know, cultivated using the methodology. Um, um, your, your, your maize, your, your, you know, those, your, you know, they can't, it can't, it can't be cultivated. So we still need um, to, to uh, cultivate uh, maize, and your root crops and your wheat and various things the traditional way but there's the, the, but specifically the fruits and vegetables all of the tomatoes coming from the north for instance you're saying we can get that commercial value from hydroponics yes or no especially when you use vertical yes especially mm -hmm. when you use the vertical i mean basically you have uh, 1000 square meters and mm -hmm. what can you put on 1000 square meters horizontally but if you go vertical you can you can you know it's it's a multiply effect of that 1000 square meters of the horizontal so in but terms of it's like, building, it's like building a house it's like building you have you're giving 1000 square meters and you can build you can only build a horizontal structure a bungalow or a two bed you know but if you're allowed to go vertical uh, you know, within the structural um, specifications, you can go 10 times high or five times high. So it means that, so it's that same principle, it's the yield that you will get from going vertical. And that's the All advantage right. of, of vertical farming. So there's We're going to get back that... to, let me just button quickly. We're going to get back to how you've been able to grow it from, you know, a simple idea to how much impact you've had in your business. But I just want us to quickly bring Kimberly back into the conversation. I want us to explore the, you know, sustainability angle of what we've been able to do in, you know, the years past, the importance of businesses to now constantly improve their products and processes and even their workforce to be able to create, you know, a more sustainable future for uh, not only customers and employees, but the environment. And that's the essence of our conversation on this episode. So speak to us, um, Kimberly, for instance, what you think uh, has helped the sustainability 
uh, of your business over the years, perhaps the use of technology, you talked about value chain earlier. What do you think, you know, stands an entrepreneur out in that regard? Okay. Um, when you say over the years, I would really like to shorten the over the years, but um, <laughs> the most important part is the gender inclusion for me. Okay. Right. The way we've been able to include women into everything that we're doing. Those women are like bulwarks. You give them a little piece and they're going with it. Right. They've been able to penetrate a lot of places, do a lot of things that I can't even explain right now. Um, yes, I'm not really um, a farmer. So listening to Prince Kayadena and I'm going like, okay. Um, where's this where's this taking me? What can I do with this? But also I, I come from the the um, empowerment part of it. You know, where give me 50 women that want to do something in, in this particular space of mine with his help right now. I can imagine the, the space will cover in less than six months. Right. Just putting two of us together, I have the data, I have the know-how, but he has the technique. Do you understand? Not just, uh, and then fueling the women in the remote areas right now that have the farmland, they have all sorts, but they, they can, we can use them as hands we need to get to where we want to go. I'm sorry? No, no, go ahead, Kimberly. Okay. So, um, and if the impact for me right now that I'm really facing as a person, not just the awareness of you know coffee and the rest of it is you know production production using women at this is three times of the men if you ask me um speak to women i don't know my network is a bit unstable i think but yes you're going in and out but i, I hopefully everyone's able to pick up on what you what you're saying yeah. but for me um the same way he's um explaining or teaching us right now is the same way i've been trying to create a way outside the country first of all but within our country and trying to bring together like i'm an aggregator i move with a lot of farmers i might not be a farmer myself but with the tech, with these women even showing me that okay please we need this we need um uh i don't know he's saying he don't, we don't we might not need tractors at this point and i'm i really want to understand how women can actually use his technology now to grow whatever it is we have people in ginger we have people in cashew that want to spread they, they have the farmland but they don't know what to do with it getting seedlings alone is a problem to the, not to talk of the logistics of it. There's so much gaps that we need to fill. And listening to you right now is making me feel like it's a straight road, but how come we're looking at it and it's bumpy? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, right? So right now, as it is for me, the impact is coming from um, gender inclusion first. This is the Thinking Reimagine podcast, sponsored by Allied Empowerment. Allied Empowerment Consultancy offers leadership and innovation through bespoke human development solutions, brain-based leadership, and coaching. Allied Empowerment empowers business leaders 
teams and individuals to intentionally accentuate desired outcomes built on trust, curiosity, psychological safety, engagement and communication. Allied Empowerment. Thriving in a sustainable and valued manner. Yes, the biggest challenge that Prince said earlier is the, you know, how capital intensive the use of hydroponics, you know, and the technology is. And when you talk about women, you know, usually it's the rural women who don't have access to all of this technology that need them the most. So I don't know how we can bridge that gap and if it's something that is feasible. You know, it's interesting that we're talking about this today and each of both of you on, on the network is a bit, uh, is quite unstable today. So hopefully we can um, carry on the conversation. Um, I was going to comment actually on um, what both of you had shared, you know, and both of you mentioned the empowerment of women, but we should also remember is the empowerment of youth. It is true that 70% of the MSMEs are run by women, and that will include the small farmers, but we've got a healthy youth um, population that is either underemployed or unemployed that we can tap into. So the question I have for both of you is, how do we get the youth involved in this? When you think about the, the high focus on getting a university degree, you're both university graduates with multiple degrees, I'm sure. But the emphasis right now is on university education, but not many of them are going into agriculture. Come to think of it, I think you, Nifemi himself read agriculture, but he's doing something completely different. Um, how do we get them to see that there is value in these other aspects of um, innovation that could be one, open the door for you know, inclusive economic participation, two, go about increasing trade, whether it's within the country, within the continent, and the ability to also export, which would then bring us to what is the quality control that's going to have to be in place because that, that we have not even touched on that. It's one thing to be able to feed the nation, but it's important to be able to have quality produce that you can then export, whether it's within the continent or outside of the continent. So that, that's really critical. So how do we get people to understand the relevance of this and how do we make it financially viable, um, particularly the vertical farm in hydroponics? It's, it's intensive, it's cash and capital intensive. And the, those who are doing the work, the women in the rural areas, they don't have that kind of funding. Yeah, I mean, obviously in terms of, um, it, 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 like I said, it is, uh, capital intensive, you know, in terms of its front front end front end loading, but there is there's there's a there are low tech versions of um, vertical farming using hydroponics, you know, in in the sense of um, and that's what we that's what we're we're we have adopted, but we've gone with you know with a low tech um, version of it in terms of you know um, that that will make it accessible to uh, uh, within the rural community and within uh, especially um, SMAs or even um, the youth. I mean, personally, 60% of my workers are women in terms of, you know, um, currently in the, in the sense of um, they actually make the, like I said, 
they make the backbone of 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 of, of agriculture of, of cultivating. They're more dedicated towards it. Uh, they know the importance of it in terms of you know uh, um, um, of, of the impact of feeding of feeding their family, um, and so in the sense of and then also especially with the youth. Regards to the to the youth, um, I think uh, using innovation and using technology, it's 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 something that will attract. Let's call a spade a spade. Agriculture is not very attractive in terms of its its manual, its labor. It's you know there is no that, you know, you just does. I'm sorry to say, it doesn't have any sex appeal. You know, in the sense of it's just not an, it, you know, it's not an attractive industry. Before, because it's like, oh, why would you want to go and be getting your fingers dirty? Why would you want to be living in a room? You know, they don't, there's no. But when you use innovation and you use technology, and you are able to showcase that, okay, well, you are able to actually use. Um, New, new, a new method of cultivating, and and the method that takes into it takes into factor knowledge, expertise, takes into into the factor um, um, uh, um, sensors and monitors that helps you to um, improve the yield, and you know, in terms of ad adapting solar technology for your power solutions. These are technical things. These are the things that would that would that will actually probably. Uh, 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 an inquisitive mind or a young mind might be able, might be able to say, okay, if I if I adapt this and I adapt that, I'm able to now um, uh, get this resource and this solution with a productive or value adding eyes. Vis a vis, I'm able to grow and cultivate um, vegetables. I'm able to grow, grow and cultivate fruits, and the quality that I'm getting is appreciate it I in terms of I'll take it to the market I'll take it to the supermarket I'll take it to the local market or just it there's just an improved quality then in itself that's that business model will will naturally and and uh, people will gravitate to it because in the sense of if you're getting quality outputs at the end of the day and somebody asks you uh, why how are you doing that or how's it how you how's how, how have you been able to achieve that and it's oh well, I'm using this technology, or I'm do, I'm doing it this way. There's a natural gravitation towards the adoption of that technology, and so the challenge is actually, first of all, like I said, is to establish the proof of concept using low tech um, applications of it that that can now easily can be uh, uh, can be adopted in the local in the, within the local environment. And that in itself, I be, I I truly believe it's 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 that that will attract the youth, in the sense of um, they they themselves will now you know it's not the oh I have to and and, and again sorry the critical thing is it, land space, mm -hmm. you know like again going back to the yield, all you need from one hundred square meters, you can you can you can uh, uh, yield uh, a thousand the equivalent from a thousand square meters. So you can imagine that you know you're maximizing your utilization of space. So in terms of um, you could actually cultivate, you know, I mean, apart from the rural where there's availability of land, even within the urban areas, you can actually cultivate the equivalent of a thousand square meters on hundred square meters. Now that in itself, it's a major, you know, will have a major impact on the ability of attracting those. So therefore, it doesn't have to necessarily have to be the people in the rural community who are cultivating, who are growing. 
you can have urban farmers as well who start you know who are who start growing and i think that's really where vertical farming is will is will have its its impact in terms of um uh, urban uh, urban farming urban farming especially where where the population is in terms of you know uh, we know how dense lagos is we know how dense the the the, um, the cities ibadan or portacourt or you know so in the sense of if you are able to encourage urban farming using the technology where you're maximizing on space and uh, and, and land allocation then then it will definitely have an impact in, in, in attracting the youth and obviously in attract and then being able to uh, uh, grow uh, grow the industry or grow using this new methodology. And then they, that, and that in itself will eventually in the long run have an impact on the entry costs on the, of, of, of uh, being able to um, enter into the industry using the, the technology. And then you, wow. you know, if you've said something that has really hit home today, and I hope that people are listening, um, of course, you called farming is not sexy, but I don't know where, what place that has, but you, you've highlighted that you can be an educated person and be a farmer. Um, farming is not just for the rural areas. You can have city farmers. Yeah. Every, everyone and anyone can be a farmer. Um, it's about an interest and also the desire to produce and contribute to this sustainable way of, of living. Um, and I think that's very important because there's so much emphasis on either the creatives or being a doctor or an engineer, yet there's an opportunity to create an ecosystem or to be part of a value chain that not only feeds people, but also produces what can be exported intercontinentally or internationally. And we have to find a way to make this more appealing for youth, but at the same time supporting the women who are the majority of the farmers, 70% of the world's farmers are women. You mm. know, I think a few weeks ago we were speaking to um, Olumide from um, Africa Sustainable Trade who said, you know, in, in, in the developed world, the farmers are the wealthiest people. And in the in the developing world, the farmers are the poorest people. That narrative needs to change um, completely. I did mention earlier that Nifemi, Nifemi did you not read agriculture? Y yes, um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I read agricultural economics and extension. So the interesting part is that the extension part of what I studied had has to do with farmers' education, and that's what I'm doing right now. You know, talking to people about hydroponic. <laughs> and, so through journalism, I'm able to explore that side of the Let's quickly take um, a comment. I believe from LinkedIn, uh, this person says, um, Ronald A. Robinson says, we must empower, we must continue to empower the woman in Nigeria. And then he goes ahead to say, Michael Opar, University of Agriculture, Umutike, 
has an excellent program. And that also, you know, brings to the fore the need for us to adjust our education program to what really meets our need. You know, uh, right now in the midst of the economic crunch, I see that the federal government is trying to get as much food that it can to the poorest of the people. But the more sustainable way to do that would be to introduce this modern means of Edu I mean, of agriculture into mm -hmm. our mainstay education. So people still go to farm because I just graduated, I graduated um, from school about maybe 10 years ago and there was no single course on hydroponics. I mean, I know there's aeroponics as well, which I, I still, in the fourth year in university, all we did was cultivate arable land, you know, learn how to apply fertilizers and things like that. I think that our education program also has to be upgraded to meet our current day realities in such a way that we can yeah. now begin to provide and localize solutions to our to our problems. Right. We are here now talking about the need of women, particularly rural women. And um, it would be nice if um university students are providing these solutions but it's unfortunate yeah. that's the current situation prince yeah i mean yeah i mean in, in the sense of um i mean like i said i i uh, work and i represent the association for vertical farming which is a non-profit international non-profit organization based in germany and um one of the programs that we are trying to um implement is is that is to set up uh training and demonstration centers um, where we, you know, where we, you know, capacity building can be achieved in terms of, you know, it is that training and that, uh, that, that, that is, that is, that is, that is necessary, um, you know, in terms of, and, you know, we, 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 we're, we're working with IITA in Ibadan as well, in terms of, of trying to bring that into fruition. So you absolutely hit the nail on the head in the sense of, um, there has to be a, a, a re-engineering or a refocus or, or in terms of, you know, we have to train people, we have to teach people of the new method, methodology of, 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 of cultivation, especially in the, especially in the horticulture uh, um, sector of the agriculture. Like I said, not everything can be solved through um, uh, um, hydroponics or aeroponics and vertical farming. Uh, which you know use soilless technology, but at least those that can, then we you know it must be embraced and it must be exploited to the to its fullest um, uh, because of so, so, so much benefits. I mean, with um, hydroponics and um, uh, controlled environment uh, agriculture, you don't. There's no need for use of uh, herbicides and pesticides. Um, in terms of you know you, you 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 remove that out of the equation so therefore you could you could you know you could say it's it's healthier it's, it's healthier cultivation uh, um, in terms of you know um like i said you know in in, in any in, in any environment where you're able to control as much variables as possible then you're able to determine the output better and that's what you know um, the combination of um hydroponics or or aeroponics or aquaponics with uh, vertical, uh, in the vertical farm in, in a controlled environment enables you to do. So you, you are able to grow better, taste better, last better. And so, and, and with, while having, so, while having uh, um, economic and social impact as well. Mm. You know, 
I just wanted to add on to the discussion that's going on now about education, because what's coming up is the idea of changing the narrative. What is the purpose of education? If the purpose of education is to create employable people, then we need to give them the skills that they need from the very beginning. Perhaps we need to redesign some of this um, courses. Perhaps we need to sort of reevaluate and restructure um, education as it is. It's not about getting information or going to a classroom and regurgitating information at the end of the year and getting a, a pass mark, and yet you can't apply it. Um, that for me is one of the, the big questions on this continent is we have people who are educated, but they can't think independently, or they don't think as independently as you would expect. Um, and they're very good about re, you know, taking directions, but then they don't sort of self-motivate themselves. So we need to really think about how we're given information and what is the purpose of education? Because if we don't have the right education, there's no way that we can, we can improve or change the narrative of the continent. Uh, and, and that is the stumbling block I mentioned from the beginning. There's a need to shift from being a continent that receives aid to a continent that's building wealth. You know, so wealth creation starts with education, goes on with skills acquisition, making it af affordable for people to, to do what it is that they love and enjoy, um, funding being available, empowering women, empowering youth. I mean, these are very critical. Um, job creation, if you can't create jobs, how do you get out of poverty? Five out of six people on the African continent below the poverty line. It's it's sad. Mm. In a continent of 1.5 million people, 1.1 million are living in poverty. Why? And yet this is a continent that's rich in resources and land as we've heard, resources and minerals and human capital. So we have to develop the human capital on this continent. It's, it's, it's critical. It's critical. Uh I agree with you completely. Um, I just want to ask Prince very quickly as we begin to wrap up, uh, let us break this down. You know, sometime in, I think it was 1972, there was this Operation Feed Yourself in Ghana. There was something close to that also in Nigeria. And it usually come to fall in the face of economic challenges. So yes. uh, I think we are back there now where mm -hmm. I remember that growing up um, when I, Growing up, we have this little garden behind our house where we get most of our vegetables from. Call it um, tomato, call it um, leaf, you know, all these vegetables that you use for cooking and stuff like that. I currently live in Lagos where everywhere is cemented. There's hardly space to plant. And that's where, you know, your kind of farming appeals to the modern city yep. person. So exactly. how can we, is this some alternative we can explore at the domestic level uh, how accessible is the infrastructure to the average um, african or nigerian and how affordable also do you think it can be absolutely yeah in the sense of um you know um the fact that the uh, uh, the hydroponics or the systems that you know that that we were exploring that we're um, um, implementing is soilless and so in terms of you know um, you, you, it doesn't require soil and um, it, it can be placed on a 
on a uh, you know, uh, on a concrete um, flooring space uh, because it's just it's growth it's like growth 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 vertical towers and so you know um, the key thing about it is is your power solution because it's like a, a circular pumping system so therefore the nutrients is in the water and so therefore the nutrients is you know uh, in the, through like a drip system is is been uh, positioned going on you know to the roots of the of whatever you are you are cultivating and so therefore the adaptability for the urban um, 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 uh, uh, urban dweller is ex it's 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 extremely viable so in terms of you know you actually don't need and then like I said and the fact that you are using a soilless environment, you actually will probably be able to control um, the, the quality of, of, of what you're cultivating as long as there is the water, as long as there's the, the irrigation system and, and, and through the nutrients, through the water. And obviously it's the power. It's, it's basically it's a pump that'll just be circulating. I mean, there are, you know, there are control, other control mediums that are required. I mean, that's why it's a bit of a capex in terms of, you know, there are sensors to monitor the pH value and, and, and various various things in, in the in the water system in the water systems and the nutrients. But all things are equal. If you're if you're vast and knowledgeable on how to do it, then you know um you are able to cultivate. I mean for example now leafy greens, lettuces, you can grow it in three weeks versus the six weeks to eight weeks that it normally takes if you if you were to cultivate it through the um, uh, traditional soil method. Uh, so, so that's another thing about um, hydroponics. Uh, it, it's there's a faster uh, there's a faster cycle, so you you are able to actually uh, uh, cultivate and grow quicker, because again it's 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 adopting precision. It's also called precision agriculture because the nutrients are going directly to the roots, and so therefore, um, and then you're not also you're, you're not you know wasting, um, you're maximizing the use of your of your resources as well, so it so it definitely it can be adapted in uh, in in uh, the urban you know we call it urban farming, but it also it can be it's adaptable for the rural uh, dwellers as well, and it's and it's adaptable for the commercial scale in terms of it's scalable it's scalable to any size, so in the sense of um, the adopt that the, the adaptation of the technology, first of all through education. In terms of you know in, in, in empowering the the next generation of of, of, of the youth where they, they choose the subject in horticulture because they because they they can see the practical demonstration of it where you are growing better like I said I use the I use the, the you know grow better taste better last better um, uh, 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 then then it. it that it that it embraces it it attracts people to the industry and then you know now to deal with the affordability of it, um, it, it it's it's one of those things. The more it becomes become the more it becomes uh, used. Obviously, it's the unit costs of you know the unit costs st starts coming down. It's like um, solar, solar power, solar solutions. I mean, ten even five years ago, uh, the cost of solar. Solution, be it just you know, just to power you know within a within your household, has 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 come down substantially. Now and it keeps yeah. coming down. So therefore, now if, if you the power the power that is required for hydroponics, um, vertical farming, um, in in a household can be covered by solar because it's just a, 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 
It's, pro it's probably just a you know one horsepower pump that requires to be powered, but it requires to be powered 24/7, and so therefore you know you it, it can be designed. And so in terms of the so the so the adapt being being able to be adapted by um, households um, is 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 definitely feasible, and um, and the, and the output that they will get from it definitely they they will you will see the the there will be a direct impact versus you know oh. cultivating the uh, conventional uh, method so ronald R robinson on linkedin goes ahead to say respect the farmer <laughs> but africa has the best fertile land in the world absolutely we're wrapping up now if you can at one minute prince i'm just curious about um what was this question i had in mind uh, okay, I think it was about um, the when you talked about knowledge, you know, everyone is self-taught these days going on YouTube. Is this something you can learn by yourself, or oh, you need definitely? To, you know, I, 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 I'm not a I didn't have any formal qualification in farming. I mean, far from it. Um, I mean, well, from a young age, I grew up in a in a in a farming environment, but far from it that I ever thought that I'll end up being uh, a farmer, you know, uh, 40, 40, 45 years plus. But mm -hmm. in terms of um, a, a lot of my knowledge is, 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 is obviously self-taught. Uh, uh, and then also just being in, a, being in an, an environment where I, I was ready and willing to learn. And wow. so in terms of, you know, and, and that's the thing about it. It's, it's, it's not... Agriculture or farming is not rocket science. Even in fact, even some of the rudiments of things that you learn in your formal education of maths comes into it, and and just you know even rational thinking and whatnot, and you know, and your and, and your basic biology, you know, your basic photosynthesis and whatnot, it it comes into play, and so therefore, um, it, it it's something that you you can actually you know you can go online. And you can actually learn how to cultivate it, and especially using the the new methodologies of um, hydroponics or aquaponics um, and, and vertical farming. And, and the one thing that we're that like we're trying to advocate and to, is to demonstrate is is the is is the proof of concept and be able to now set up uh, uh, commercial. Uh, uh, vertical farms, as well as also being able to capacity build and to impart the knowledge to others. You know, we have programs that we're working on that we're able, to, we're hoping to be able to develop that will uh, where people can 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 actually come and go and learn how to how to um, how to cultivate using hydroponic and vertical farming. Um, hopefully, in the next 24, 12 to twenty four months, you know, it, it will come into fruition. And then people can actually be able to go to places where they're able to learn, and then we're able to are able to expand it within some of the research or some of the universities and and whatnot as well. And there is a program that we're we're working on to be able to develop that in Nigeria. Doctor, um, what about the idea of you cultivating your own vegetables? Oh, I'm all for it. I always have a garden. Um, wherever I am, there's always some sort of a garden because I think it's important to be able to um, create, what's the word that you use, grow better, um, taste better, all of those things. Um, yeah, grow I, better, I actually taste like better, to, last better. I, uh, 
Yes, last better. So I'm I'm really all for it. Um, you know, this discussion, though it has focused so much on agriculture, the reality is sustainable innovation is available to all of us. And uh, Coyote reminded us all today that regardless of what your educational background is, we have to be lifelong learners. And through lifelong learning, we upskill, we reskill, and we're able to generate um, innovative ideas that continue to enrich us individually, as well as the communities where we are, and ultimately for us to have impact. But that comes from collaboration and partnerships. And I have a feeling, even though Kimberly was not able to come back on this podcast, I have a feeling she's going to be getting in touch with um with Prince Coyote here because she could, you know, you could just hear her get excited about what she could do with um, the women farmers that she works with and uh, implementing some of these ideas and concepts into what is going on. So, you know, that's what Think and Reimagine is about. It's about changing your thinking, restructuring, thinking outside the box, connecting with others. So I think it has been an incredible um, podcast and thank you for all of those who have joined us um, via LinkedIn and other sources. And we're looking forward to coming again next week with another topic. And uh, we hope that the internet service and if there's anyone out there who can help improve the internet connectivity on the continent, let's all come together. Energy and uh, technology are, are critical right now. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ama. Thank you, Prince Coyote Oguntayo. And a big thank you to Kimberly Peterside, who joined us earlier, co-producer Peter Amon Boyo. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this episode. I'm Nifemi Oguntoye. See you again soon. See you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been a Thinking Reimagined podcast. The executive producer is Dr. Amma. Co-producer Peter Amon Boyle. The podcast is edited by Nelkan and it is moderated by Nifemi Okuntoye. Thinking Remarchant emphasizes the importance of transformational conversations which have as their aim the bringing about of the rich diversity of thoughts and most importantly, powerful and applicable effective solutions and change. The views, opinions and contributions of the panelists are exclusively theirs and do not reflect the opinions of thinking reimagined producers or personnel. Thank, Thank you, you for listening, listening and we, we hope, hope you, you have enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. episode. We invite you to subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and other outlets. We look forward to presenting another riveting episode next week. Think and Reimagine podcast is produced by Live Abundantly. We welcome your thoughts and invite you to visit our website, livesabundantly.com. Or you can follow us on social media on Live Abundantly 8. Think, Think and Reimagine, changing the mindset, the mindset for, for a better global, global society. society.